Oh, right, we're back, lovely people. Welcome to the Big Feed Up HQ podcast. The podcast about nutrition, movement, outdoor experiences. Now, if you're a new listener, I've got an awesome company that helped me keep the lights on with this show. 33 Fuel, they produce natural and powerful sports nutrition products, lovely people. We're talking protein powders, greens powders, energy bars, protein bars. Go over, click the link in the show notes, get onto their website and use Matt10 for 10% off your first order. Wham, bam, thank you, man. Now, I've got a chap called Alex Manos on the show. It's the second time he's featured on the show and the first episode where we covered uh, resilience, allostatic load, allostasis, you can find that in the show notes as well. Alex is a functional medicine certified practitioner. He's got a personalised nutrition MSc, he's got a first class degree in nutritional therapy and I'm really looking in, looking in, (laughs) I'm really looking forward to digging in to gut health with Alex, uh, talk about his private practice, a business that he's set up all around testing. So without further ado, please let me introduce you to Alex Manos. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Matt. It's, uh, it's good to be back. We were saying just off air how the last year's gone pretty quickly, considering that's the last time we uh, we did this. I know, I know. And hey, you've been working on a few things. So if if we've got some new listeners to the show, um, yeah, just basically break down what you're up to at the moment. Obviously, you've got your private practice, you've got your podcast too. Um, so it'd be good to hear a bit, a bit more from you about that, really. Yeah, so I guess there's a few a few strings to my bow at the moment. The last year to two years has been uh, quite a big shift from a professional perspective um, and person, in fact. But professionally, obviously, um, we have founded Health Path, which is initially a functional testing company where we offer various tests from stool testing to leaky gut testing, SIBO testing, which stands for small intestine bacterial overgrowth and we do adrenal and food sensitivity testing as well so obviously we can we can expand on a little bit around health path in the second as well um, as you mentioned I've got the podcast as well which I'm kind of really focusing on this year um, similar to yours I guess in the sense that it focuses on the functional medicine model um, but I'm looking to branch out a little bit there I think over this year um, and I've co-founded the Applied Functional Medicine Mentoring Program as well. So I offer a, a six-month mentoring program alongside my colleagues Robin Puglia and Laura Sterling, um, and that supports nutritional therapists, naturopathic physicians and practitioners. We've got a few general practitioners or GPs in there as well, um, and it's supporting them deepen their understanding and their kind of skill set using the functional medicine model. So those three things take up a lot of my time, um, and with Health Path, we were saying off air how there are there are various challenges, I guess, being a nutritional therapist or a, a similar type of clinician. Um, and Health Path was actually founded by an old client of mine who used to work in the financial industry, and he was struggling with some GI symptoms. He saw various practitioners, including myself, and he got sort of. I would say temporary relief by some of the 
traditional type protocols that we do in our space. So using probiotics and herbal antimicrobials and things like this. But one of the things that over his health journey he realized was partly how much work goes on behind the scenes for practitioners. So researching conditions and symptoms, researching test results if a, a certain analyte has come back out of range and they're not familiar or it's been a while since they've looked at the research on it. Um, and he was amazed at really the amount of time we were all putting into supporting him outside of just the consult time. Mm. And it got to a point where he felt quite passionate about, I guess, starting to change that. So he quit his job, he sold his home, and he invested heavily time, energy, spiritually, etc., in the birth of Health Path. Um, and he invited me to, to sort of join the team as a, a co-founder from day one. So we started building various algorithms and the technology required for us to start to achieve the long-term goal. So HealthPath at the moment is a functional testing company. Um, we do support practitioners. And that at the moment is partly through clinical support. But we, the longer-term vision is very much to be supporting healthcare practitioners, support their clients to the best of our ability and their ability. So we have automated systems in place at the moment where, for example, if you do a stool test with HealthPath, the technology that we have allows for an automated report to be generated, which provides that individual with information about their stool results. So let's just take an easy example of secretory IgA, which is an antibody um, associated with really the health of that mucosal immune system. So the immune system that lines the digestive tracts. And secretory IgA is a little bit like a tagging system. So it can tag pathogenic organisms, things like potential parasites or bacteria or yeasts, and it will help the immune system eliminate that organism from the GI tract and when it's low that obviously increases our risk of GI infections and general dysbiosis or bacterial imbalance when it's high it indicates that that mucosal immune system is upregulated or, or particularly active and responding to something within the environment so something like a, a bug a parasite um, or, or maybe it could be related to sort of psychological stress as well um, so within our report, we will report it, but we'll also be able to automatically generate a little bit of information around what secretory IgA is. Because obviously the general public, they look at some of these functional tests that practitioners run and they're completely meaningless. So you need to sit down over a period of time with the practitioner to kind of really dive into those results. And that can be time consuming for both parties. So health bar, so far have created that report so the public can understand their results by reading it and it obviously saves the practitioner time in regards to they no longer have to create a, a report of the store results which often practitioners do and, and that can take an hour depending on how organized and systematic you've created it <clears throat> excuse me so far and that vision is the long-term vision of health path so we want to do that with all the tests that we offer um, we are in the process of creating a whole bunch of resources for practitioners from food plans and recipes and meal plans 
to educational content around lifestyle. Because do you know, Matt, that when we look at the latest research around the microbiome and almost any other elements of health, we just start to understand how every element of lifestyle is influencing this stuff. So yes, we can consider the dietary interventions and the probiotics, the prebiotics, the dietary fibers and things like this, but exercise levels, sleeping patterns, our stress levels, our relationships, pretty much everything is gonna be influencing the overall health of that ecosystem, i.e. the microbiome. Um, so we've got a lot of ambition and a lot of goals in regards to how can we support these practitioners and simplify and streamline the process. So the practitioner is not having to work five hours for the one hour consult that they're delivering, but also the client is able to receive a very, I guess a very streamlined professional service at the same time. Um, so for people interested in that, we do have sort of a landing page at the moment called Health Path Pro, and that is specifically designed for our practitioners um, who are interested in the service that we are creating. And for anyone listening who's a practitioner, we are super keen to hear from people. Um, we're pretty much building this for practitioners on what they need. So if people have, um, for one of the better word, challenges, or if they are aware of something that in clinic, they're just like, man, I wish I had this or that, reach out to us because we're in a great position where we're able to create something that the kind of the market demands ultimately mm. and it's definitely shifting that way mate and i'd like to circle back in a minute to maybe give the the listener a bit of a context behind often why you may run these kind of tests but i'd be keen yeah. to touch on that mentoring program is really mm. interesting to me because um you know i don't I, I think as the nutrition industry whatever you want to call it health and fitness and and i know functional medicine slightly different they're all, they're all growing. And then, especially when I tell someone what I do, you know, people are like, oh, it's, you know, that's a great industry. You must be extremely busy. And, you know, at times I am and, and working kind of almost full time for a business now. I'm seeing more clients. Um, but as you know, there are more courses, there are more graduates. You're obviously more of a, 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 a well-known figure than me. But I would say I'd still get maybe three four emails a month asking me about how i got into doing what i'm doing uh how i work as a nutritionist full-time can you help me um i don't know how you find that but it's definitely daunting for for new practitioners i meet a lot of very intelligent people who know their physiology their biochemistry who come from a background of coaching um but they're trying to set themselves up as as nutritionists and 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 it is is they're finding it quite tough do you, do you find yeah. that? A hundred percent. I think um, a couple of things immediately come to mind. One is certainly when I initially graduated, which was, I always have to think about this, 2010, mm. I graduated IOM. So that was when I had my first qualification allowing me to practice as a nutritional therapist. Um, the industry obviously has massively changed in the last decade. But back then, there were limited opportunities. And I remember speaking to a, a peer from my year group, I think four or five years after graduating, and she was still connected with a lot of the year. And the majority of them weren't practicing as nutritional therapists. And if they were, it was maybe one, two, three, four, five hours a month. You know, They were struggling to find clients. 
And I think things have changed slightly. There's definitely more opportunities to work in some form of employed or part-time employed basis in nutritional therapy these days because the industry has just grown so much. But I think the biggest challenge is we don't, or we certainly didn't back in the day, learn how to run a business. So, you know, there's no point being an amazing nutritional therapist if you are completely clueless in regards to the business side of things because the only way you can be a good practitioner is if you have a successful business, unfortunately. Um, So I do think it's, um, it's a problem. I think it's reduced in frequency just because the industry's grown so there are there are different opportunities available to us but one of the things that we see and the, one of the big reasons we created the mentorship program was really because of the the nature of the industry and the fact that so many of us are isolated so so many nutritional therapists are self-employed they work in a clinic maybe that has other professionals such as physios etc but they're still very isolated in regards to how they practice Um, and that's certainly something that i've experienced over the years i think it's something that pretty much we have all experienced because of that so we wanted to create this program to bring practitioners together to create a little bit of a tribe and a community and to be able to help others support one another um, and almost build confidence through that. So, you know, it's a six-month online program. We deliver a webinar every week. So we dive into the science of uh, various conditions and systems. So we go through six modules, GI health, hormones, adverse food reactions, such as sensitivities and intolerances and allergies, Uh, We look at detoxification, we look at autoimmunity, and we look at neurological health, so things like the gut-brain axis. Um, So we break the mentorship down into six modules. Um, And within each module is an opportunity to to submit case studies. So Laura, Robin, and I uh, spend one of those um, weekly webinars per module, i.e. per month, going through our mentees' cases with them. So we just share our insights and our thoughts on the case and so I guess suggest things that maybe they haven't yet considered or haven't yet explored that might be helpful to. Um, and obviously the rest of the cohort can, can share their insight because what's interesting so far is we have people on it who have graduated last year and we have practitioners who have 12 years experience. So it's a really great community where everyone is essentially able to support one another. Um, And a lot of these people have different tools in their toolkit. So as I said, we've got GPs in there, we have osteopaths, um, and we have nutritional therapists who also offer massage or life coaching or whatever it may be. So it's started to be really powerful in actually seeing some of these other therapies that sometimes we're not even aware of. Um, and the role they can play in certain conditions or in certain narratives of a client case. Um, So we're hoping it's filling a bit of a void in the nutritional therapy world in the UK, which is most practitioners feel overwhelmed and feel isolated. And it's unintentionally worked out that I think the mentorship program and health path are helping overcome those two things. The mentorship program is helping from the isolated perspective 
and potentially health path i guess is helping from the overwhelm perspective by trying to streamline the process and and making it a more a more time efficient process mm. yeah definitely because obviously you come out of, of studying at, at some of these colleges or you know some people might do a lot of these things online too and then like you said there's so many modules and things that you cover uh, you do some clinical work you work with your peers and then there's always you know there's always people around around, around us especially when I was at the college you think wow that you know they know so much but I was I, I was kind of quite fortunate I'd, I'd done some sports nutrition in the past and um, I kind of I thought my skill set was connecting with the client listening to them uh, keeping everything nice and relaxed around the consultation and then coming up with some action points whereas you know a lot of people who were were, were very smart had had a lot of the kind of time to, to to read a lot of the literature and know some of the stuff have the finger on the pulse you know they'd always be like oh you could add this supplement you could think about this food etc and it it's helpful but then yeah like you said it does create a bit of decision fatigue and uncertainty so I think the, the part of that that you were talking about around the the sharing the case studies, um, I think that's really valuable because you can be part of that, you can listen to what other people say, but then, like you said, ultimately, you then need to crunch things, look at the hours in the day, look at the type of person you want to take on, the cases you think you connect well with or you you build expertise on. And then it's like you said, not, not spending five, six hours around one report or, um, you know, around, like you said, uh, learning and reading about a certain condition but then actually you might not really be taking on many clients with that condition it might be potentially one one or two a month or even one or two a quarter and then you think actually you know what do I what am I best at um, who do I connect well with and then like you said there there's the other pillars so the nutrition side is is obviously what what we're going through with with clients and I know other people might be listening who aren't just nutritionists and things but yeah the physical activity I kind of call them pillars it's like the sunlight and the eyeballs the vitamin d the physical activity the parasympathetic side the lifestyle side so it's kind of having a finger in some of those two and often people come to nutritional therapists because I'm not saying we specialize in that other side but that that's maybe where they can gain small margins small variable benefits so I think yeah if you are listening to this and you're a new practitioner um obviously I, I graduated what um nutritional therapy 2017 so obviously I'm only a few years in compared to Alex but um it does take courage to kind of think actually this is the type of person I like to work with you know these are the kind of conditions I feel like I can cover and then I'll slowly top up some information but can I get a mentor can I learn from someone like yourself on a on a on a certain side of research like the gut and looking at the new biomarker kind of testing kits that you offer um, can I keep it, you know, a finger in that? But I know I'm not going to be selling that yet. Um, I know I'm kind of rambling, but that's my kind of thought no, process, really. Yeah, I think it's a really, really, really important point for various reasons. So you touched on the fact that if you're seeing various clients and you only see a condition, let's just say you you have the odds client coming to you with a hormonal issue, PCOS, endometriosis, or something like that, or thyroid dysfunction, if that's not something that you know a lot about, that you aren't 100% comfortable talking about with that client and supporting them, that's really stressful. And I know through my own experiences how time-consuming, but also almost like energetically how challenging it is when you aren't 100% 
comfortable talking about something because you know that you don't know or maybe you just feel you don't know enough about condition x symptom y etc um and i also know that when you have relatively speaking mastered a topic and you are sharing it either clinically or in a webinar education etc the difference in how you feel during that process is so different and so profound so i think there's a really strong argument which is we should be specializing however the caveat to that in functional medicine is how can you specialize in hormonal health or thyroid health or cognitive health when we are starting to understand how interconnected all the systems are mm. So the way I view it is you almost need five, six, seven, eight years of um, supporting as many people as possible and expanding your knowledge and getting that breadth of information so you have the, a sound foundation to then potentially start to narrow down the type of client that you see. Because, you know, gut health, we know influences brain health. We know it influences thyroid health. We know it influences liver health. We know it influ influences, obviously, the whole immune system. Uh, there are things in the research like the gut bone axis, the gut muscle axis, um, all of the other axes that I've just mentioned. So you can't specialize in the same way that we have specialized in the conventional medicine model. But we still need to probably look at, the t do we want to work with people who have chronic GI issues or chronic hormonal issues? We just need to still appreciate and have a sound understanding that the gut's probably going to be involved and that stress is probably going to be involved. So it's just a very much sort of, it's a holistic approach, obviously, to it. Um, so I do think that's important. And as you say, it allows us to spend less time worrying quite frankly because there's only so much literature that you can cover on one area of health so if you focus on the gi stuff it's quite relieving to think okay there's that thyroid webinar i can spend 60 quid on and spend my weekend doing or actually i can leave it because if i get a client coming to me with that i'm going to refer out to joe bloggs my colleague and friend who does focus on that mm. and it can be really liberating i think mm. um so I do think there's a natural evolution that takes place, you know, get the breadth and then start to think about, for it, especially from a business perspective, I think, where, where do you want to go? Where do you want to specialize to, you know, I'm going to call it a minor degree because we still need that breadth to be able to support anyone. Because as you know, and some of your listeners will know, yes, someone may have a GI issue, but at some point it is no longer a GI issue. And what I mean by that is it could be that there's some thyroid dysfunction or there is a hormonal imbalance, etc. And that is what's driving the digestive symptoms. So you might get some relief by doing the traditional, um, the traditional interventions in optimizing and rebalancing gut health. But if they continually are relapsing almost, then it's not a gut issue. Um, the gut is the symptom. It's the canary in the coal mine that something else is going on there. Mm. I think it's just being upfront with clients too, isn't it? You know, people will mm. will find you, like you said, if, if you're part of a, a business, you may take internal referrals or if you're out on your own, people may contact you and things through social media. Um, and it just depends how you practice. I, I like doing this um, 
I call it, you know, kind of a 15 minute check in or something. So you have you have this free conversation again. You know, that's up for debate because obviously we spend money on studying, setting up our business, all that kind of stuff. But then it it allows you to really listen into the client and, and see exactly what they want. And then if you can pair with them and say, OK, this is how I think it's going to go. This this is what I think I'm going to do. Um, and then, like you said, if you need to refer you should and it is liberating and I think it's you know on a professional basis it's the right thing to do and if you build a bit of a network too you know you're going to see that back um, but then ultimately you know cases they, they, there can be some changes and and it is a dynamic process so it's kind of that conversation around do you work on an hour to hour basis do you look at packages are you are you kind of quite squared away with um, delivering some of the action points around nutrition, but actually they're paying you to check in weekly or monthly because, like you said, you're there, you're someone that they want to speak to um, and, and listen to, so they see value out of that. Um, so, mate, yeah, it is, it is, it is really interesting, and um, it's good for you to kind of share your experiences on this over the last, so I suppose it's been 10 years now, hasn't it, since yeah. you, you graduated um, and I and I like speaking to you because I think you have that balance between you you do or you have put a lot of face time with clients one to one. I know you worked in clinics and things like that. And then you've also got now, you know, the education side giving to that. You're also looking at how the the gut and research and everything in there is expanding. So you're putting some tools together for other practitioners. So yeah you're you're a good example of actually you do need to be quite dynamic as as a nutritional therapist as a functional medicine practitioner to to earn a full time living but then there's op- there's opportunity if you like the face to face great get into the one on ones if you like delivering seminars in in corporate businesses you know do that but there's also a space for giving back and and working in education um or like you said looking at some of the biomarker side of things and if you're good at interpreting research um, providing that information for other people. So yeah, the other reason I wanted to get you on was obviously just to show people how um, how much is going on in this space, but then also how someone can um, do a few different roles, and it isn't just this classic someone sitting in a in a in a fancy office charging hundreds of pounds for one to one consults and 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 you know people leaving rat- rattling with supplements. It's uh, you know it's a great industry to work in. Um, and there's so many different things to do now. Mm. Yeah, I think I think that's another really key point, really, isn't it? Which is certainly what I've realised over the last ten years is that the biggest challenge, clinically speaking, is is actually more the behavioural change elements of things. Um, there's definitely been an evolution in the functional medicine space, as you say, from from one-off consults where often there's a lot of functional testing that goes on and a lot of supplements that are recommended almost a, like the, a, the green pharmacy type concept and that has shifted to where now often people are doing more regular consults whether that's weekly monthly bi-weekly etc and there has been i think a real shift to the lifestyle behavioral side of things because unless you are addressing the day-to-day stresses, unless you're addressing some of the psycho-emotional, spiritual elements of our health, you know, there's no test, there's no supplement, there's no diet that's going to fully resolve those things. 
Um, and certainly clinically, I see a lot of clients where there, there is emotional trauma in their past, whether that's childhood or in later years. And the second most common thing is just current daily stress. You know, the extreme example being people are buying a sandwich from the the M&S shop in the petrol station, eating it in the car on the way to their next business meeting. Um, there's just this relentless pace at which we're living lives. And I think it's actually really important that we understand, and as practitioners, I think, have the confidence to initiate those conversations. Um, you know, if you're not getting enough rest and recuperation, if you're not focusing on some of the the bread and butter elements of lifestyle, then that's where the conversation and the support needs to start. And sometimes that goes really deep. That can go to um, conversations around self-worth and self-esteem. How many of my clients over the years feel guilty for sitting down on the couch in the middle of the day for 20 minutes uh, to have a cup of tea and just essentially regroup, regather, recharge, and then get on with their day and their responsibilities? a big percentage Um, and I think as practitioners we especially earlier on in our careers is what my experience is we might not have the confidence to go and have those conversations and there's almost a mutual hope that there is almost the golden pill and that we just that we're not quite sure what it is and we're panicking as a result whereas if we can understand okay you've come to see me for reasons xyz it's possible this is going to be a 12 to 18 month process and journey that we need to go on. Let's just start small, start changing some of those daily behaviors and appreciate that this is a marathon, not a sprint and that health is an ever changing process concept that is going to need management for the rest of our lives. Um, And I think if we just shift that mindset, it really starts to shift how we view our role as a health practitioner. And the best thing I ever did was go and get some business coaching. So I had six sessions over six weeks where I explored what I wanted my day to look like, what I wanted my business to look like, and what I felt what I felt was what clients needed to achieve their their goals. So that led to me only working on three, six and 12 month packages Mm. and having two different tiers of support. So people could see me either very frequently or just once a month. And the decision was purely based on does this person feel they need that extra element of accountability and support and encouragement. And I think, you know, if people can have that weekly support, or even if it's for the first sort of month or six weeks, it can help lay such a platform and foundation to then move forward with that consistency, which is obviously the key to to health change often. Mm. Yeah, definitely, I agree. And I think, um, you know, it does take time. Obviously, you've worked on this, and like you said, you've, you've taken some some other opinions on things and taking some business coaching and thought actually, yeah, maybe the, the weekly check-in and, and the longer packages work for me. Um, and hey, that's, yeah, that's really good. And I think it's important for people to hear that too, because um, I think if we break down at least the first interaction someone might have with a client, like I'm keen to get onto the the gut health side and I want to ask you a few questions on that in a minute, but I just want to kind of finish exploring this. 
that hour, you know, that the hour consultation, if we do step back and think about it, it is a huge amount of time for an individual. Most people will see their GP for 10 minutes. Most people will see their physio for 30 minutes. And, you know, if you're in like I work in the kind of corporate wellness space, someone might see a physiologist for an hour once a year. So when they actually sit down with us for one hour, I know quite a lot of new practitioners, and I still get it, decision fatigue around what to do, and oh my gosh, I've got this huge kind of my mop thing to go through, get all the systems out of the way, I don't know if I have enough enough time, but like you said, if you actually listen to the person and coach them, an hour out of their day in that busy, stressful week is a huge amount of time, huge amount, I often think that, and I'm guilty of this, you're already questioning what you're going to write in your plan, and how you're going to correspond with the individual while you're sitting in front of them. You know, you're thinking, okay, I need to write that note, keep looking at my computer, etc. So even a small change of I've actually now, even though I'm at a desk, I've got the computer, I know I need to take notes. So I'll just put a notepad in front of the client now and I'll just try and keep eye contact a bit more. And okay, if I need to record something, I will. Um, but yeah, I just try not to turn away. I find that's a big one too. Turning, writing on the screen. You know, if you can just engage them for that for that hour, that's a huge amount of time with someone now. Yeah, and and I think the really sad thing is how many of us don't have an hour to ourselves, <laughs> like on a regular basis. It's actually quite rare that we can sit down and often, hopefully, in an uninterrupted way, share our story and what's going on. And I think if as a client, if we can. If we can trust that practitioner and we can share some of the, the deep stuff going on, because that is going to be influencing our physical health, it's an amazing opportunity to, to build a relationship that I think in the sort of romantic, idealistic way should be a really long-term relationship. Like We need someone that we can go to for some advice, support. But sometimes I've had clients where I honestly think they just need to to rant they need to get stuff out of them that they don't, haven't felt they have been able to to people within their kind of network and community you know how great is it to have someone outside of that who we can go to and just explore some of the stuff that's coming up in our lives that for whatever reason we don't feel comfortable sharing with our closest and nearest mm. um and i'm i'm increasingly more interested in that element of health um, call it what you may, the spirituality side, the, the mental side, etc. Um, so yeah, I think you know there are a lot of challenges for the clinician, there are a lot of challenges for the, the client, um, and I think one of the most important things we can do is almost have that kind of discovery call, where we, we set up a call, we explore what the issues are, what they want to get out of their time potentially with us, we make the honest decision of whether we feel we're the right person for them. They have an opportunity to kind of figure out whether we're, we're the right person for them. And then if we both feel we are, then, you know, let's commit to an actual time period together where we support one another. Um, and I think that's where a lot of kind of the deep healing can take place. Mm. No, I think that's really valuable. And if we, if we dovetail, or I suppose it's kind of circling back, isn't it, to... The, the original conversation on on gut health and testing and it was interesting how you broke down one of one of those markers mate the the screeteri IGA. i think for the for the listener 
if we start at the beginning, you know, why why would someone order a a stool test? Um, why would someone someone order a a breath test and and think about or well, they don't think about SIBO, but us as practitioners do? Maybe maybe in the next few minutes we we discuss that because um, I yeah, think that'd be quite interesting to to go through, and then we can maybe touch on some of the markers um, after that. Yeah. So there's an interesting statistic, which is something, I think it's one in five GP visits is related to digestive symptoms. So we've got, an, I would say, an increasing sort of epidemic of digestive conditions, symptoms, diseases in the Western world, certainly. Um, and obviously we have GI symptoms. So someone is going to order a stool test if they are suffering from bloating, constipation, diarrhea. They might consider one if they have some reflux or upper GI type symptoms. Um, But those kind of classic irritable bowel syndrome symptoms, abdominal pain being another one, are the, the kind of the obvious reasons why we might consider that, okay, there's something wrong with my gut because of these gut related symptoms. I need to consider a comprehensive stool test potentially to understand the underlying imbalances which are contributing to these symptoms. Um, I guess on that note, it's worth mentioning that there are probably two reasons why going to the GP with with these symptoms isn't going to necessarily help us get to the underlying root tissue. It may, uh, but in my experience, more times than not, it doesn't. And two of the reasons are the technology that is used which often isn't as advanced as some of these functional tests. So in regards to the sensitivity or accuracy of the test picking up, whether there's a certain bug within the GI tract, there's an issue there. The second thing is just the comprehensiveness. So when you go and look at something like a health path stool test, you'll see 50, 60 analytes being assessed. So we're looking at various bacteria, we're looking at various yeasts, we're looking at various parasites, we're looking to see whether there's inflammation in the large intestine. We're looking at the status of the immune system in the large intestine. Um, we are looking at whether there is blood in the stool, which is a fairly traditional biomarker that GPs might look at. Um, and we look at something like pancreatic elastase, which is really giving us an indication of whether the pancreas is producing adequate amounts of digestive enzymes. Um, and if not, then obviously that could contribute to various GI symptoms such as maldigestion, an extreme symptom being literally undigested food in the stool. So if you're seeing undigested food in the stool, there is a degree of maldigestion, malabsorption going on, um, which really we need to resolve as quickly as possible because that's going to lead to nutrient deficiencies, which over a, an extended period of time, if you think about it, could contribute to all sorts of different other conditions and symptoms as we become more and more malnourished ultimately so when we look at these kind of more comprehensive tests one of the the first marker that we look at is the the diversity score so we're starting to understand that the diversity of our microbiome is one of the most important metrics of gut health And one of the reasons being is a diverse microbiome, like any diverse ecosystem, is more stable, it's more resilient, because there's more redundancy within the system. So an easy way to think about this is, if you go on a course of antibiotics, 
there is less impact, negative impact from those antibiotics if you already have a really diverse, resilient, stable ecosystem. Whereas a low diversity is going to have, there's going to be more collateral damage. That course of antibiotics has more potential to contribute to um, a disturbed ecosystem. So we want that diversity. And we know that our food diversity influences it, which is why so many nutritionists go on about it's important to have a diverse diet. Um, And there are different recommendations out there, but the one that I see most frequently is 30 different plant foods a week. So if we can aim for 30 different plant foods, which obviously includes fruits, veg, whole grains, nuts and seeds, herbs and spices, legumes, lentils, pulses, beans, then we're providing a diverse a diverse quantity of substrates of foods of fibers to really nourish that ecosystem. Uh, but we look at things like the dysbiosis index, how many deviations from normal are there within the microbiome? And I appreciate we can debate what normal is because we all have a unique microbiome, but what we do seem to know is that there is a stable core microbiome that we have throughout life. So think of it like a the inner circle and an outer circle. The inner circle is our core microbiome. The outer circle is the microbiome which seems to be more responsive to lifestyle changes. So change your diet, change your stress levels, your exercise levels, etc. Um, and we're able to kind of manipulate that element of our microbiome a lot more so. Um, and we look at kind of Butyrate-producing bacteria would be another really big one to mention. So butyrate, for those that aren't aware, is a substrate. It's a metabolite of certain bacteria. And butyrate has anti-inflammatory and immune-modulatory benefits. So it nourishes the colonocytes, the cells that line the colon. And therefore, butyrate helps maintain a really healthy gut lining, a.k.a. this leaky gut kind of idea. Um, So there are lots of markers that we look at that we know we can manipulate, for one of the better words, we can intervene on, we can shift, we can adapt through changes to our diet and to our lifestyle. The thing that I think is really important to mention, though, going back to why we might consider the testing in the first place, is we are now seeing, as we kind of mentioned earlier, that the digestive system is influencing many other organs, glands, and systems within the body. So we may consider gut testing in someone with psoriasis or other skin-based conditions. We might consider it if someone is suffering with PCOS or endometriosis, so hormonal imbalances. We might consider it in someone with an autoimmune condition because bear in mind, 70-ish percent of our immune system is located in and around the digestive system. So any really immune-based condition, we're automatically thinking about the health of our digestive system. And that, you know, we mentioned some of these axes that are being written about in the research, the gut-bone axis, the gut-muscle axis, the gut-brain axis, the gut-liver axis. Um, the gut thyroid axis, Mm. the gut influences adrenal function and cortisol output. Um, The list kind of goes on and on. So there are all sorts of different conditions that 
where we may still be thinking about gut health, even though that individual may not have traditional gut symptoms like bloating or diarrhea or constipation. Um, So then you start to say, well, let's say we have an individual with uh, rheumatoid arthritis and they say that, you know, they're pooing fine, they go every day, it's a sausage shape, um, they don't have any bloating, they kind of feel that their gut health is really healthy and functioning well but you speak to them and you understand that okay they took several courses of antibiotics as a child maybe they've had an abdominal surgery for some reason in their lifetime which would be another sort of red flag for us to be considering gut health generally um you know maybe they've had periods of stress in their lives maybe their diet is a little bit low in fiber or phytonutrients from things like our fruit and our veg you've got all of that information indicating that actually their gut health probably isn't optimal because of those things that have happened throughout their lifetime maybe they were a c-section baby rather than vaginal delivered or maybe they weren't breastfed they were bottle fed these are all things that help us understand the potential value in then doing a stool test to explore what could be going on in the gut that might just be manifesting elsewhere. Um, so for all of those sorts of reasons, we can be thinking about gut testing. Mm. Um, you know, there are interesting, there are studies done in the military on servicemen and women going through their training, so physical and psychological stress, and they found that that induces leaky gut, for example. So I think stool testing and SIBO breath testing, which is looking at whether there's a bacterial overgrowth in the small intestine, those two tests are are really helpful in us understanding what's going on and how best to support that individual. Leaky gut testing can be helpful, but I think it's important to appreciate that it's almost like the middle domino that's fallen over. So there's a tendency based on a lot of the literature out there that people want to test for leaky gut and then they want to do their gut healing program where they take glutamine and things like this. But we have to ask the question, why does this person have, well, any imbalance in the first place? And the microbiome, for example, is going to have a big impact on the integrity of that gut lining. We mentioned butyrate earlier, this metabolite of bacteria produced by the fermentation of our dietary fiber that helps maintain a healthy, intact gut lining. So it's taking that step back and listening to the client's story, doing that comprehensive, uh, I was gonna say interrogation, investigation uh, of their life, Um, and kind of then making a a more educated decision about what testing may be helpful. Uh, Admittedly, it's gonna be relatively rare where stool testing can't be considered. But then, you know, we have to start thinking about budget as well. So if budget is, which often is something we need to be speaking about, if that's a a factor, then obviously we need to then go and think, okay, how do we prioritize this? Or can we stagger our testing? Do we start with stool testing in a month's time or two months time, do that second test that we're thinking about once we've done uh, a certain amount of improvement and work on digestive health. Mm. Um, so then you start the kind of the actual coaching process, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a good point to ask Alex if uh, practitioners listening and things, and and even in, you know people, because like you said, uh, through your service and things, you can order these tests now. Um, retesting, obviously, it's it's hard to say, but um, yeah. you know when I work in when I work in. Um, uh, the corporate wellness space and and um, I see people around uh, changes in blood lipids, changes in blood sugar, blood pressure, 
through nutrition and lifestyle, I'll, I'll kind of be quite confident that we'll give things three, four months and then we'll remeasure and hopefully what we've worked on, it, it's it's going to have an impact. Whereas with the gut, like you said, because it's dynamic, because it's an area of research that's constantly evolving and like you said, are you looking at leaky gut? Are you looking at the microbiome? Are you looking at the butyrate levels? Um, for people listening, when when is best to retest in your opinion at the moment or is that a kind of question that you know, we might know in, 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 in later time. Yeah, I do think that retesting is going to be partly dependent on what comes back in the test results. Um, you know, if you wanted some generic answers, I think, you know, it's going to depend on the individual, but maybe three months for a stool test is a sensible time period. Um, you're going to potentially have been successful in eradicating a pathogenic organism within that time and stuff like that. With SIBO testing, it very much depends on what's come back in regards to the results. It could be that I know practitioners that will retest two to three weeks later because what they want to do is they want to see that the gas levels in the breath have come down, indicating that the program is working and therefore they can continue with the program. That kind of makes sense. I think it's um, not particularly realistic for a lot of people with with budget in mind but you know that's the kind of thing that we can be considering um so SIBO testing could be done pretty soon after the first one but I would again be saying it will depend on how high those gas readings are in their breath samples anyway um I had one client for example with super high methane levels it was up at 190 something and it took us I think six or seven months to get her a negative test result and that was relatively speedy in the context of, of how these things can sometimes go. So it, it does very much depend on, on the actual readings for the individual. But let's just say with SIBO testing, certainly, I would say if we wanted another generic one, somewhere within that one to three month mark is going to probably be more times than not when we're going to retest. And I think it's really important to be able to do that when we can, because I've definitely seen, and I know Dr. Jacoby, who's one of sort of the the global SIBO specialists, has found that you can successfully eradicate SIBO, but that individual may still be symptomatic. So there's something else also going on, contributing to that person's symptoms, and that may require a completely different program in, in regards to how we then go and support that person, because we no longer need antimicrobials potentially uh, because there could be something going on in a very different way shall we say that needs supporting in a different way Mm. so i think retesting when we can do it can be very helpful Um, going back to my client with really high methane we retested her after i think probably two or three months and her gases were noticeably lower i think something like 60 or 50 percent let's say and she was ecstatic she was dancing around her living room because it was working uh, interestingly, she was no, there was no percentage improvement in her symptoms. So she had 50% improvement in her results, 0% improvement in her symptoms, which made it even more valuable for us to redo the test because it wasn't that nothing was working. It was just that we had to be patient ultimately. Mm, that's a really good um, point to so, make. Yeah, I think it's really helpful from like a compliance, motivation, positivity perspective when you're seeing those improvements that just might not be manifesting yet symptomatically. Mm. And I think, you know, for people that are listening that are practitioners, the, the industry is definitely going this way. So it's about 
looking into how these tools are going to slot into your practice. And I think, um, you know, like you said, Daryl, test results may show something, symptoms that you uh, speak about and note down during a consultation may say something else. But like you said, when there's budget in mind, is it still relevant to do one stool test when you know you're not going to do the other? I think potentially yes. And then obviously if you're someone that's going to go off symptoms and you're looking at an elimination diet because someone maybe can't afford some of these tools, then, you know, I think that's, that's, if that's the way you want to practice, that can still work really well and it can be really valuable. And, um, you know, over time we do know that these things are going to become cheaper and, um, you know, the company, the company you've started, Alex, and things like that, we know education around uh, understanding the markers, the research, translating research into practice is only going to get better. Um, so that's why I wanted to get you on the show, because I think we're at we're at a really good uh, point at the moment. Obviously, if you have a nutritional therapy background, functional medicine background, you've known about these tools for quite a few years, but now it's it's kind of coming to a head more people are asking about it reading about it and um it's an interesting space and especially if you've just graduated in the last few years and you're looking at these tools and how it's going to work in your practice it's good to to get informed um from someone like yourself mate because obviously you know you're you're working in it basically every day yeah and and that's again a good point in regards to accessibility and one thing that's worth mentioning is with with health path we actually have a a feature called split it which basically means that a client is able to um pay for the test over up to four months interest free so rather than having to fork out for any test up front they can split it um, and it obviously, hopefully, it just makes some of these functional tests a little bit more accessible um, to the public and to practitioners. Mm. Um, so that's a that's been quite a popular feature um, that we found as well. Um, I didn't mention this to you before the podcast, Matt, but we have created a discount code for your audience. Oh, cool! I'll put that um, in the show notes. So if they are wanting to order one of our tests, they can get ten percent off by just putting in MG podcast into, um, well, when they're checking out, they'll see the discount code like uh, on all those sort of online platforms. So just MG podcast will give them a 10% discount. Um, and for practitioners listening, they can just email us at practitioners at healthpath.com. Um, we do offer special um, discounts and packages for practitioners who are interested in using sort of the health path testing as well and we've got various resources and things like this which are um forever growing in abundance as it were so we're always looking to create new resources for practitioners that they can use mm. and, I, and i'll just say you know get get under the hood and email alex and his team and and look into this if you are a practitioner because um you know it it will help it it, it supports the way you're your work and, and and it might save you some time especially when i started to learn a bit more about SIBO and i wanted to know more um you know going someone like alex and obviously mate you obviously haven't asked me to say this but downloading your ebook reading through it sharing it with colleagues and things that i work with um and and it and it you know ultimately saved me time it's a useful resource and it's not something that i work with every day but it's something that i can then keep and i can kind of go off 
and um, I know it basically just saved me a lot of time and it's quite valuable and it's from someone that has finger on the pulse in that area um, so yeah if you're on the fence just always inquire you know look into things I'm not saying you have to then start running these tests um, but uh, you know even for me going on health path and just looking at your blog mate sometimes when I have time in the week that I've dedicated to reading more about um, gut health I'll just maybe take a couple of articles and it will just give me something to think about. I'll put it in my notebook and I think, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that into into mind over the next few weeks and and then I might come back to it. So it's just it's it's ultimately even finding resources as well, isn't it? And 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 parking that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know it's a tricky one because there's there's so much out there. I think there's a really um, we all have cognitive overload. I think this is the problem. So again, if you can find a resource, and maybe it's another reason even to specialise, because otherwise you could just spend 40 hours a week learning. Yeah. And at some point, we've just got to dive in and start supporting clients, because the more we do that, the more we realise there are common themes that come up, and they are often related to the gut, and they are often related to behavioural change. Um, And we just need to start small and chip away at this as a team, and you'll get there ultimately. Uh, but I know, and I'm always mindful of this because now that I'm sort of a co-founder of Health Path, it, it's just often going to come across like I'm super biased. But I've said it before: Health Path existed, which is we have our car MOTs, we need the human MOT, and I think some of the functional testing that is now available, looking at the microbiome, looking at organic acids and things like this so metabolites in our urine these are incredibly helpful and we know that certain conditions start to manifest or may or may start to uh, materialize physiologically for want of a better term a decade before we end up with the primary symptom or the diagnosis so it is so worth investing a little bit of money up front as a preventative. I think as a society, we need to get away from waiting until it's too late. And I think if we can say, okay, I'm gonna spend X amount on my health per year, almost set a budget for it annually, so we can lengthen our health span and shorten the amount of time that we're going to suffer and struggle in our older years. Um, I saw a T-shirt the other day, and it was something like, live long die fast which i thought was brilliant yeah um, and i think you know it's that preventative healthcare approach that is so important mm. um, and it doesn't need to be thousands of pounds but if you're going to choose one test to do once every other year or whatever it may be i think where the research is going something like a stool test can be really helpful because it's the foundation of our systemic health to a large degree Um, as long as we're doing these other pillars, as you say, in regards to stress management, exercise, et cetera. Mm. And that's why I wanted to get you on the show, Alex, because I'm I'm beginning to agree with that. I think, um, you know, people are are looking at, like I said before, uh, blood lipids, cholesterol, blood sugar, blood pressure, waist to hip ratio, things like that. More and more people are aware of those things. Even um, in my practice now, people are coming in and asking about vitamin D, so these things are coming through and I think in the next few years, you know, 
our clients or people that are looking for our services, they will start to ask more of these questions. Stool testing, how do I do an MOT for my gut? So I think it's uh, it's important for us, even if you don't want to specialise in that area, like you said, because it's all connected, um, having an understanding and knowing where to go and what to do in terms of testing is definitely worthwhile. So, um, mate, yeah, I'll, I'll put I'll put the discount, I'll put the um, the the link to 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 the blog and things I was talking about, and um, the the email. So that was practitioners at healthpath.com. Um, I'll put I'll put your website in the show. And is there anything else that you want the listeners to to know about how to follow, or is that um you know that gives them a probably at least a morning's worth of reading, mate, if we if we put all that <laughs> yeah. together. Yeah, that would uh, be a good start. Um, obviously, they can find me um, on Instagram. It's probably the easiest place to find me if people are on social media. I think my handle is just Alexander Manos. So if they search Alex Manos or Alexander Manos or something like that, they will find me there. Um, health Path is our health path on Instagram. So they can check Health Path out on social media as well as just visiting the website. As you said, we've got some pretty awesome blogs that have been written by some pretty awesome people on there. Um, and reach out to us um, if people have questions um, either around our testing or any other service that we are offering or, or will be offering. Great, simple, transparent, mate. And um, no, I really appreciate your time. And yeah, like Alex said there, if anyone's listening, just reach out to him. Um, and if you like the show, please share it with someone. This is a great episode and I'm having more conversations with people around gut health having more conversations around testing. So um, yeah, this may give someone a really good bit of information to get their teeth into. So have a great week and we'll speak soon.